podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Barstoolers Premier League podcast. We're back after taking a week off last week. We went to record the podcast last week and we realised that it was just FA Cup fixtures and we weren't really that interested in previewing Manchester City against Birmingham, as I'm sure you can appreciate. And you probably do appreciate it because you don't want to listen to that absolute drivel. Unbelievable. They drew Cheltenham in the fourth round, lads. How did they keep getting away with this? The balls are hated. That's the that's Has what they're doing. What was it? Nineteen of twenty-seven or a non-Premier League opposition? Uh, seven, seventeen of the last twenty-four cup ties between the League Cup and the FA Cup have been against. And since two thousand seventeen eighteen season, they've drawn sixteen teams, and six of them have been Premier League teams, and two of those teams have been Burnley, and they've drawn Brighton as well. They've got Watford in the cup final and Arsenal in the cup final. Yeah, no, not trying to say in tinfoil hat, this is absurd, isn't it? Like, and a Watford FA Cup uh, well, look, final, is, that was disgraceful. Yeah, like, I, I, people who listen to this being like, oh, Liverpool fans complain about the FA Cup. Um, so we've gone off a tangent here to start the podcast. But in fairness, like the year they won the treble, they played the highest position team in the league they played was Watford in the final. And they were 11th in the league at the time. And like, it's not even the FA Cup and draws and stuff like that that's really the mad thing their Champions League draws have been ludicrous the yeah, groups they have, they yeah, are they've so moved glad back now in the knockouts I think yeah well they're going yeah, well they still worse. didn't they've still not made it past the quarterfinals with Pep and that was last year when they had one leg against Leon to do that yeah and Sterling missed that Leon absolutely smoked them oh that was a great game I love that Dembele that uh, the Michael Richards and Jamie Carragher clip them two screaming when they think Sterling have scored is great Fantastic. But anyway, getting back onto actual Premier League activities. Okay, so Liverpool, they're struggling right now. There's Let's not make any mistakes about that. They're struggling right now. Since we recorded the last podcast, they drew to Newcastle 0-0 and they lost to Southampton 1-0. Uh, what do you think is the problem there? Is it as simple as saying the defensive issues? Or are you concerned about the attack as well? Because... I've watched both of them games and really created very, very little. Well, I think if we've only conceded two goals in our last three games, um, we're not taking, we're not making, our, we're not creating any chances. In fairness, when Thiago came on against Newcastle, we looked a lot more likely to score. I think we had three good chances after he came on, but I, I don't know. Like I was saying last week, I might have just been in one of the parties with you lads that you know why isn't he just trying to change the front three? And then you remember, then you're thinking. Well, who do we have on the bench? You've got Minamino, who I think has been good. Um, you definitely consider trying him against one of the smaller teams. He scored against like, Palace Rowan, but he looked quite yeah. weak in that game, even still. I thought he, I know it was only against Villa, but I thought, mm. I, a lot of people said he did nothing against Villa. I thought he was grand. He was kind of... He played a few little one-twos and that, and he was... He was I don't know. It is the attacking side that I think is we're struggling with more. Um, but I think... This defence is the problem as well there because ideally you're starting a midfield trio of Henderson, Thiago and Fabinho. You don't want Fabinho at the back. Um, and again, the defence is probably a problem there as well because normally we'd have Van Dijk in there who plays 
who's well capable of playing a 50, 60 yard pass over the back. It's our distribution from the back is really poor now as well because Fabinho is good, but he's not as good as Van Dijk was. And then whoever we throw in there, whether it be Matip, um, well, Matt had played in a lovely ball through for Mane for a goal from yeah, West he's Brom. Not he's done you in the first it, you know. But like, you're stuck playing. Um, who do we play centre half? We played Henderson centre half against Newcastle Southampton. 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 Yeah. yeah, and Nat Phillips played against Newcastle. I thought Nat Phillips Sorry, was quite yeah. poor. So it's a distribution from the back is quite poor as well, along with the fact that we're not creating much up front either. I think we needed the reaction against Newcastle and not wait for Southampton away. Southampton are no mugs this season. Got great manager, great team spirit, great togetherness. And they were out with, without Che Adams. I suppose that could be a bit of a, you know, go out at Liverpool, go out. But like, it's, you know, we needed that reaction against Steve Bruce's Newcastle or uh, Mr. Chips and Gravy himself, Sam Allardyce. You know, <laughs> that's, we needed two games ago. So I, I take the one nil Southampton, I have to say, it's their great side at the minute. I just think that uh, Trent, he was just so poor at Southampton. He gave the ball what seemed he gave the ball away what seemed to have been eight million times. He just kept losing was... possession. He was at fault for the goal. He tried to chest the ball away and just got past him. Dan Danny Ings lovely finish, but yeah, like a lot of the teams, they've sort of neutralised that threat of ball coming in from the fullbacks. They're closing off that space in the middle, so they're just hitting these balls in. They're just getting headed away like there used to be. Acres of space in, but teams are playing a further line back. So Liverpool, they need to find a way to break down instead of just knocking balls over the top and scoring goals that way. I maybe wasn't as angry about the West Brom and the Newcastle matches because, in fairness, Johnson and Darlow both had incredible games against Liverpool. Like we should have won those games. We had the chances there to win them. I don't even think the finishing was that off. Um, we just kind of got a bit unlucky in terms of we still should have won, still should have taken our chances. We actually created chances against them. The Southampton game was ridiculous. We didn't. I don't think. I can't say we had one meaningful chance. Yeah, um, one shot on target, wasn't it? Mane in the seventy yeah, like minute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We didn't create anything. It was a joke. Um, it was two shots on target against West Brom as well. But I didn't watch that game. Were there shots that went off the post? Yeah, or we had. We had. A, I think Firmino hit the post or something, and then we we actually did look like we were we, we were creating chances. We had a few that went wide and stuff as well. Um, and then obviously Newcastle, sort of Darlow got man of the match. Um, actually forcing us to talk about Newcastle for once as well. We should have got a penalty, sorry, against Newcastle. If that was Salah, when he gets the leg grabbed by Darlow, Salah goes down and it's a penalty. If Mane goes down there, it's a penalty, changes the game, probably come away with the win, but he's too he's too nice. He needs to get some sort of bastardry in him. Any, any player, big top player goes down, like a Ronaldo goes down, uh, Rashford will go down Bruno will go down he just needs that killer mentality yeah we'll probably get back to Liverpool in a moment inevitably because it's an interesting you know narrative around Liverpool at the moment but we need to talk about Southampton you know far too often we focus on the big clubs because that's sort of the natural thing to do but we need to talk about how good Southampton are Southampton I wouldn't say convincingly bet Liverpool, but I thought they were good value for the win. You know, again, one shot on target in the 75th minute. And they did that without Alex McCarthy, without Oriel Romeo, who's been fantastic this season, largely without Musa Gineppo, without Che Adams, and, and Vestigard as well. Vestigard. Yeah. That's Gineppo incredible. Had, had Trent on toast. He destroyed yeah. him. Anytime he got the ball, he had the beating of him. And then it was, he was unlucky to go off injured. 
I haven't liked Gineppo as well the last few games. I, I would have preferred like Armstrong in the game they lost against City, I think, and then bring in Gineppo late on. I think they could have really got something out of that City game, but they just didn't have that bit of defensive structure that they usually have, but their their quality. Well, it was, who was your man that made his debut as well in that match? The Oh, the striker. No, it was the midfielder. He played class. I thought he was probably the best player on the pitch. Oh, I actually I do forget his name. Cheers for bringing that up, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get his name up here. He was class. Um, pull that up for me. Because uh, we can't let this go. Can, can you pull it up? I'm going to pull that up for you, James. Or I suppose you'd be Joe in this scenario, wouldn't it? Oh, I remember. Nathan Teller. Yes. He was really good. Um, no, not even him. No. Was that... Oh, do you mean Diallo? Diallo, yes. I yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, probably, I, I thought he probably was out of the match. Like everybody on that team had a great game. Bednarek was brilliant as well. Southampton's just a really good team at the minute, and I'd be surprised if they're not at least in and around there for top seven at the end, come the end of the season, last four or five games. Well, they just need to stop leaking goals later on. Like, look at United, that mm-hmm. United game. Like, they should have had that at least a point out of that, should have put that to bed. I know United were class. Cavani's movement was talked about to no end, but they just give away goals, just silly goals. They did it. Chelsea didn't cost them, but they, they do it consistently. Yeah, they've conceded, they've lost more points rather than any other team in, in the league from winning positions. I think they've dropped 18 points from winning positions. That's definitely something that could be worked on, but, you know, they're. Are really close to the top four, aren't they? If not in the top yeah, four at the they're moment, fifth at the minute. So yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, if they hadn't dropped those points, they would have been. They'll be top of the league, you know. So I they think were, maybe some perspective. They were one of the many teams that have been top of the league this season. In fairness, or they're sixth rather. I apologise um, on I points they, they went, city. They went top after. Did they beat Leicester? I think that was they beat Leicester and they went top of the league or something. Remember the Leicester nine nil. That was a bit of a precursor for that. Or sorry, oh, no, them nine nil. Sorry, yeah. and then and then Ralph Hasenhutl had to apologise. It's unbelievable he, he, he survived that. He offered to resign after that, um, and the club said, "No, you've done a good enough job since you came in here. We'll give you more time." And Ferris, he's done very well since then. Yes. Where would you ra- like? Where would you rank Hasenhutl? Like, I don't want to, you know, uh, talk ill of Southampton. You know, no offense to Southampton, but they're not the biggest club. And at the minute, it looks like Hasenhutl could definitely go somewhere else and get a, a more a higher profile job. Where, where do you think he could go? Because in terms of like United in a hypothetical situation, I don't know if I'd take him because he is that very counter-attacking coach, it seems. Do you think his managerial skills, his coaching skills could translate to a bigger job? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think Dortmund could eye him up completely. Like if depending on how this season goes for him, he could definitely go over to Germany. German speaking, really get his ideas across over there. Like, like similar to what Klopp did, you know, just go in, have a project, be great. He's, pro- he's proven in Germany as well. Like he did a very good job when he was at Leipzig too. Was it Leipzig? I, like, he was at. I thought it was. Salzburg. I think it was Leipzig or was it Salzburg? He was at one of the two. He did a very good job. I think. I pulled that up. I feel like I could um, see him in terms of Premier League team, like an Everton or a Leicester. They'd be, and then if he did a good job at them, go further because they're like Everton and Leicester, are like as close to the or the big four as you'll get these days, or the big six rather in terms of like the Premier League. But I think he needs to get one more job at a better club before he can really push that, like top European club. Well, Mike, no, apologies, he was Leipzig. Leipzig yeah. yeah. I, 
You probably like, seen him manage at the Alliance 2016-2018. Probably did, yeah. I forgot. Um, yeah, he was probably still manager at that stage. It was a shite match, though. Someone got sent off after 10 minutes or something. And that'd be quite a pretty shite as well, the one time he actually played. Yes, it's one of those things. It's He could go to a bigger club now, and then he doesn't do that well, and people are like, oh, maybe he just got lucky at Southampton. It's one of those things where maybe he sticks out for another year or two at Southampton, and maybe tries to get Southampton one or two years in the Europa League and proves himself as a proper good manager before he goes somewhere else. Dortmund's a good shout, um, because Dortmund have had... They seem to sack... They seem to have a new manager every season at this stage. Um, they've really struggled since Klopp left, because uh, they've had two shell. I can't even remember your man that was there last. He was like a random Swedish guy. He barely had an ECV to his name, and he just kind of got it. Yeah. It doesn't help either Dortmund that Bayern rob all their players. To be fair, stuff like that kind of pays off sometimes just getting a random player in. Like Pep Guardiola at Barcelona was his first job. Hansi Flick, this is his first job, I think, is it? He came through the Bayern Academy. I think it's his first senior job, yeah. Yeah. And he's doing an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. See that the, th- the difference there is Pep and Flick, they both they were both at the club for a very long time. Um, like they were, were coaching through the academy and the other twenty threes and stuff like that before they went to the job. Well, Flick was There's... um was Yogi Love's assistant for years. What was he? Yeah, you know the way him and they did like wear matching outfits. <laughs> it was really weird. Yeah. It's but it's different when it's a player coming through the club's ranks and knows the club, instead of like you know, say like Bayern did with that random Swiss lad. It was like, oh, he's a new manager, he's going to do well. He's proved himself in different places. It's like, well, he's not proved himself in that league yet. But you don't yeah. know. I think it's not much of a sorry a big leap for Hasenhutl to go dormant. I think in Everton or Leicester, at the minute with Southampton and the players to have, it's not a huge leap. It's just yeah. not like it's, it's, a Southampton. it's a sidestep. It's a sidestep. Absolutely. Well, even Nagelsmann went to go back to Leipzig. No. But speaking of a manager who I think will be less full of praise for, I don't know how harsh this would be, but I have a feeling one or two of you might go hard in the paint on this guy. <laughs> Frank Lampard. Oh, The Fab Athletic Frank. reported after the 3-1 loss to Man City that he's under serious pressure. I severely doubt a 4-0 win over Morecambe will do him any favours uh, about his position. But he could be gone very soon if the Athletic are to be believed. How harsh or fair do you think that is? I think that's incredibly harsh because he's a Chelsea man through and through. He bleeds blue for the club. Yeah, it's just a joke, isn't it? Like, uh, what one all right season at Derby, he gets the Chelsea job. He, he, he bled the youth in well, like that first season. They were exciting to watch. You know, they had high goal turnover at the other end. You see the game against Norwich where they just about win. Tammy and Mount linking up. Like, he is sort of a weird obsession with Mount. He's taken him through at Derby. So he's the only one who survived in that side. I know Hudson Adoy is getting a bit of play time. And my God, does he look good. And maybe that's someone that could inject a bit of, bit of something in Chelsea. But they've spent so much money on duds. They have blown the kitty on absolute duds. They should be challenging for the league with the money they've spent, but just not spent it well. Uh, I, even at Derby, people were like, oh, he did a good job in his first season at Derby. If you look at the squad Derby had... Their points they wasn't been, much, was it? it, was they, worse, should have, wasn't it? they should have been getting at least what they got. At least playoff final. Like They had Mount, who has proven himself to be at least a top half Premier League player. I mean, he's... 
maybe not the best player in the Chelsea squad, but I do think he's decent. Yeah, like he had for the championship standards. Yeah, you had Fakayo Tomori, who again was probably at least top end of the championship standard. Um, and actually played all right last season a few times I watched him. Um, who else he had? They'd fucking uh, Harry, Harry Wilson. Wilson as well. As well. Oh, again, is, yeah, and saying that season. Proved himself in the Premier League then the season afterwards at Bournemouth. I know they got relegated, but he was probably one of the better players on that Bournemouth team. Like, he should have been doing as well as he did. It's, I, I always said it before, but I don't know what side of play Chelsea actually play. Like, I was watching the City match there. Um, they started the first 10, 15 minutes. They started off quite well. You're like, oh, Chelsea are counter-attacking quite well here. And then City pressed them. And it was the same as the Liverpool match. Chelsea do not cope well with the press at all. Um, it doesn't help that like even the good players like Kante, who have been so consistent for years, have been playing poor recently. I don't think Kante's gone off. I think he's just having a bad run of form. But when players like Dash start to struggle, it's... Remember Sarri said he wasn't a DM... And uh, oh, yeah. now he's getting exposed for that. Like fair play to Sarri. The man ate cigarettes, but he got he got didn't he get so much abuse from Chelsea fans? And I think it was yeah, quite unwarranted. It was and, like, unwarranted. shit. He got top three and won the Europa League. I don't want I don't know why he was hated so much. Yeah, and Frank is gonna be exposed as an absolute fraudulent manager. He just looks the part. Like that's that's all. Sarri got top three and won the Europa League, and he got top three. So he got third, and he got top four when it was a lot harder than Frank, because I think that season, Chelsea got something like 74 points. And then last year, they only got something like 64 points. Um, so, like, Frank had an easier job at last year as well to actually get into the Champions League. I think the worst thing that ever happened to Frank Lampard in his managerial career so far is the transfer window they just had. Because the expectation was just ramped up, just so high. And I remember saying this at the time, it was my brother who was saying to me, it's like, geez, Chelsea are going to be good next year. And I was like, I don't know. Like, it's a lot of player turnover. That's a lot of new players coming in. It's actually something I'm concerned about, about Dundalk at the moment. We have quite a high player turnover and we're signing a lot of players, selling a lot of players. And even if the players who are coming in are good, that chemistry is going to be thrown way off. You've seen it with QPR back in, what, 2012? They brought in Julio Cesar. They brought in a few good players. And they still got relegated because <laughs> there was just random amalgamation of these sort of like borderline superstars. Well, maybe not superstars, but very good players, high profile. Julio players. Cesar won a treble with Inter and he got relegated. And they brought in like a few seasons after it. Like. They brought in Jisung Park. They brought in like Remy, Tribule Cisse, all these type of people. And they were kind of mixed in with like really poor players like Sean Derry and they got relegated because the chemistry just wasn't there at all. And also I think probably some expectation, certainly with Chelsea at the moment, we all had Chelsea, I think in our top fours at the start of the season. Some people would have said Chelsea were competing for the title, but A, they signed too many players and B, they don't know where to fit in. Timo's playing on the left at the minute. Hakim Ziyech seems quite good. He's doing okay. Havertz has been terrible so far. It's just a mess. They've only made two good signings. Ben Chilwell, Thiago Silva. Uh, when M- Mendy came in, we all thought he was deadly because he's better than Kepa, but that's not too hard to be better than Kepa. But in recent weeks, we've found out that he has Kit Kats for hands. He can't save anything. He gets caught out too often. He's just not a very good goalkeeper. And 
when they were playing against City, when City went train, I thought it was going to be six, seven, or eight. Chelsea were just getting destroyed. Any chance that City had to go up the pitch, they looked like they were going to score. Gundogan was class. Phil Foden was playing very well. De Bruyne was linking up with the play. Chelsea were Bruyne just was dreadful. Up <laughs> yeah, very weird. Yeah, was that De Bruyne played really well actually? Um, it's one of the better performances I've seen from the season because I don't think he'd scored from open play until that game. But that was an abject Chelsea. Like that was a horrible yeah. Chelsea performance. There was nothing good about it. Yeah, but then they had the exact same performance, if not worse, the week before against Arsenal. They got slapped. Three one both games as well. But then they nearly bottled it though, because you know the Leno penalty save would have been three two, and Arsenal were seriously cracking. Well, they cracking. didn't. Should have would have cut up, buddy. Uh, yeah, but I still don't think they were that bad against Arsenal. And they were three it, goals against Arsenal. Is Jack a free kick? You know, mm. this may act as a precursor for Chelsea's uptake in form. Certainly, it did for Arteta. Arsenal. We we kind of <laughs> gave Fulham. We gave yeah, and Fulham. Yeah, but in a word, do you think Lampard should stay or go? Mixer. Oh, he's too fat. He has to go. He's out next. By the end of the word. month, end of the month, gone. This is like this is like the low violent thing. You describe yourself in three words, <laughs> and they use about fifteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should have said you yes or no. Not give me one word. Just yes or no would be. It's the same thing. Give me one word. <laughs> yes. Right, should he stay or go? <laughs> <laughs> stay. I actually think go. he should stay. Personally, I think he's being treated too harshly at the minute. Do I think he's a good manager? Not really, but I think he should be given the benefit of the doubt at least for the end of the season. Actually, mad one. I saw somewhere today. I think it was balls that he posted again. This is silly seasons, probably just rumors. But apparently, they're considering bringing back an Avram Grant, which would be <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, I see. Shevchenko was linked. Yeah, I saw Shevchenko. Yeah, he's Avram Grant. <laughs> oh my days! That is a name I haven't heard in many years. What a fraud! <laughs> That's incredible. He got uh, hired as director of football at Chelsea because he was a mate with Abramovich. <laughs> he, he had only managed, I think, Israel before that and like in Israel. Wow, incredible. Connections, man. Connections. Wow. Where, where's he at now? This, this is going to get edited out. Where's he at now? He's at Northeast United. No, that was two years ago. Before that, he managed Ghana and before that, he was a technical <laughs> director at BEC Toro Sasana. Yeah, that's nice. a career you want to have. Incredible. That is a remarkable. I would love if they brought him back. <laughs> <laughs> that's mine. Uh, so moving on, I think we spent enough time on that. Um, look, United are in good form at the minute. This is what I've got in the notes. I said United's good form. So I don't want to put United title race. This could age even badly before the podcast is even out because we're recording this on the Tuesday. United are playing Burnley in a little over two and a half hours. And if you know you get a win tonight against Burnley and a decent result against Liverpool, the reports are going to be United title race. They're going to win the title. It's going to be this sensationalism. If United lose tonight and then they lose to Burnley, uh, lose to Liverpool rather, then before we record the podcast last week, Solskjaer will be sacked. You know, so I I don't really know what to make of United at the minute. Even though I'm I'm a little bit giddy going into games. You know, I'm very happy, but I don't want to get carried away. What, what do you make of United's form and where do you realistically see them finishing? It's 21's the... coming home. It's coming home, is it? 
hope then so. the whole 20 times Man United have to come up and you chant they should just keep yeah. at 20 forever and does never win the league again 22 sounds better 21 the, the odd numbers don't sound as good you know but um, 25 yeah. that's an acceptable odd number anything True. 5 is good but yeah it's the Bruno factor isn't it like Sky Sports had the graphic up uh, comparing him to Cantona when Cantona came in at United similar impact obviously the minutes played you have to look at for Bruno like his output is just insane like he's reminded me of 2017 Salah in that team you know we weren't the best we were quite in transition because before we won a trophy under Klopp but Salah was just carrying us through games just scoring bangers for fun and it was like you're saying you're giddy going into games yeah it was just a joy to watch and that's what I find with Bruno as well you know uh, a bit bitter about it but he just comes up with remarkable moments and you just need to keep him on the pitch at all costs because you know Rashford's very good I think great Manchester lad and a lot of great players around him but um, Bruno's just it man if Bruno's gone like United are just going back to the same old United like getting results here and there but you just need Bruno I think that's actually probably a good comparison to make because I think that season as well Liverpool were um, I know that was the year City did the Centurions, but Liverpool was still kind of up around there, around January. I think we were only, I think we were second or third, and then we went, I think there was one of the months we didn't win a single game. Um, we were four or five games without winning the game, and then we fell off completely, and we didn't secure Champions League until the final game of the season. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen with United. We did Champions League final that season, though, so I think that's what was riding for uh, the Premier League. Yeah. Um, Very nearly slipped out of top four in the end, though, then. Yeah. yeah, because <laughs> think, for how good you were that season, like, yeah, oh, yeah, because remember, we only had to win one of our last three games and then we lost Chelsea and then drew to West Brom. And we were like, oh, fuck's sake, like, that's what you get for um, signing a goalie for four million quid. Yeah, so I, yeah, don't get me started on that, man. Um, yeah, probably a good comparison to make because that could easily happen to United. If you look at that and you see, oh, well, you know, you come up against maybe, I don't know. What their runner games is looking like now, but maybe they're playing Liverpool and maybe they're playing Spurs or something. Then I don't know. It's, if it's all right losing. to be honest. I think I think it's yeah. Fulham after Liverpool and then West Brom or something. Yeah, so you don't know. Um, I don't actually know. I I'd say United will finish top four though. I think they're too good to. Oh, actually, that's probably nobody's too good to knock a top four this season because it's so close. But I think the teams that are up around there, they're probably playing better. And they have better quality in their team with the likes of Bruno and even Rashford and Nash. Um, the only thing that would kind of concern me if I was a United fan would maybe be the defence. Because um, you never really know who's going to play it. Lindelof and Eric Bailly. Um, even Tellez isn't great. Um, so Actually, that, that's one thing. Sorry, can I interrupt you there, Ron? Because this is something I, I need to bring up in the podcast. As, as a United fan, I feel like I need to say this. Uh, this was one of the notes I have from the Villa game. That's how far uh, long ago it was, a couple of weeks ago. I said, I hate the Eric Bailly, just this like revisionism, saying Eric Bailly's class. He's not. Eric Bailly is shit. He's seen it again. He's got injured again. He He's not good. He If you watch him as a Liverpool fan, you'll watch him every so often. You'll be like, God, oh, geez, that was a class tackle. That was a class block. He's good. Like He's definitely better than Lindelof. He's better than Maguire. <laughs> Let me tell you, he yeah. isn't. Like what you what you don't see is all the stray passes and just absolutely ridiculous. Just diving into tackles for no reason. He just fling himself in the air, give away a penalty, handball it. He's absolutely rubbish. I do not like him, and that's a pretty unpopular opinion within the United fan base, especially at the moment. Just need to get that off my chest. 
No, I've, I've never rated him personally. Um, but yeah, I, that's just the only thing. It was kind of like Liverpool at the time. We didn't have a great defence. Um, you know, Van Dijk came in and kind of showed up a wee bit. We still weren't great. Probably because our goalkeeper was Lars Karius. Our backup goalkeeper was Mignolet. So that didn't help. But yeah, it is hard to call where United will finish. I think it's the next seven or eight games is very crucial because United have a lovely run of fixtures and I've just looked up Liverpool's and it's not good. So in the next seven games, Liverpool have United, Spurs, City and Leicester. So that's not good. And you need some big wins because City win their two games in hand. They're ahead of Liverpool. They're on 29 points, two games in hand. Like, they've Mm. slowly caught up. They've recent weeks they've just been classed putting teams to bed well, being the media seriously now. good defensively City were never that far off us no it's just a media it's narrative because United have so many fans it's much more attractive to promote United and they're much better to look at like I just think City are miserable I don't care like they were good in the Chelsea game but by and large the 1-0 win against Southampton yeah. they were lucky they get away with them they're not playing well uh, they can no, they can win the league still don't get me wrong but I just don't like City one bit. Don't like I don't even it think it's maybe people hyping up United, although that's definitely always going to be an element in media. I can't remember what journalists said. It's like, you know, why do you write so many things about United? It's like, as a paper or, or a website, you're never going to go poor if you fill your website or paper with stories about United. So I do think there's an element of truth in that. But also, I think it's just because City, as you said, they've been underwhelming, but they've been going about their business are still winning games and they haven't even got into fifth gear yet. Almost like Liverpool last season for the whole season. Yeah, and, and you've seen that with Chelsea in the first what first half anyway. They absolutely blitzed them and then second half was quiet. Against United in the League Cup it was it was fine. They were definitely deserving winners but again, unspectacular just because their defence is so short up now with Ruben Diaz there. Even John Stones is playing really well. So they only need to score one or two where in the past they scored four, five, six, and nobody thought anything of it because they were just really attacking. But they're far more conservative now. But their attack is good enough in terms of personnel to score goals, and they're not conceding any. So that's a good formula for winning games. Do you think they can win the league? Oh, I think they will win the league. You've, you've been very pessimistic about Liverpool at the moment. You're, you're convinced that you're going to win the league. But in fairness, you've been saying this for about probably three weeks now. Oh, he's been saying it since the start of the season. No, yeah. I, you can go back to the the first podcast I was on. I said Liverpool will not win the league. Um, and I said <laughs> they will not win the league if they don't sign a centre-half. And they haven't signed a centre-half and it's costing us. And City are going to catch up with us. And we're not going to win the league. City do not concede goals. And people have been... Like, all season, people have just been talking about, oh, Liverpool, Liverpool, fucking Chelsea or whatever. No one's talking about City because people be like, oh, City are five points off. They have been at most of the season maybe eight points off Liverpool, and that was when they had two games in hand, and then maybe five points off Liverpool when they had one game in hand. City were never realistically five points behind Liverpool. Bullshit, like City fell off the season. Maybe they're not playing attacking as well, but they're still in there, and they have been all season, and nobody's talking about them. And I don't want to drop a clanger on and still have a clanger in them, like drawn at West Brom. I don't want to defend them as sort of Liverpool. I know exactly, Um, yeah, but but it was surprising. I don't want to defend them as a Liverpool fan because no harm to if you're a City fan. I fucking hate your football club and what they stand for. <laughs> um, but they have been in there all season. It's just like when you used to watch City, even last year when they weren't very good, it was it was fun 
you you know, Rian Mares is a ludicrously fun footballer to watch. Even with Sterling when he was in good form, Aguero, you knew they were going to attack score goals. And they're not fun to watch anymore. They're a no. bit miserable. And I don't think there's fans will mind that, to be honest, because it's it's working for them at the minute. But it's a pretty considerable change in style. It's a bit surprising. But uh, moving on, because we've actually spent a bit... Uh, We've talked quite a bit so far in the podcast, I think. I just want to briefly talk about West Ham because West Ham have been really good since we recorded the last podcast to bet Everton 1-0 and obviously the one in the cup yesterday, maybe not too too exciting against Stockport. But Dave Moyes is doing a really good job. Do you think they can push for Europe maybe? Because that's where they are right now. They're not getting Europe. Uh, Simple as Leicester... Everton, Southampton yeah. are way better, and then there's still like a Spurs and Arsenal in the mix there as well. Chelsea also, they've finished top half, like they don't get relegated, but they're not good enough for the European football. The Hammers never learned from the mistakes. Big stadium, Karen Brady giving it socks, sacking Moyes type managers, and then spending a load on the likes of Haller that they've now lost money on in the transfer window. But they do have a lot of ballers in and around the squad that aren't getting game time right now. And if Moyes can strike a bit more of a balance with your Socek and your Benaramas and all those boys, like you could really do damage next season. Like get a couple more in the doors and come on, you have to have a conversation about West Ham like a really I think at the minute yeah if they keep up what they're doing without thinking more serious things I won't change my starting 11 because I I think I was watching the Brighton game at the time and I think that changed after the Everton match but at the time seven of the players in their starting 11 against Brighton had started every game like they've made the least amount of changes out of every club in the league this season and it's working for them it's the best season they've had in a few years now probably the best season they've had since they went to the London Stadium you just worry about Obana though, because he's coming on. Like, in go is he age profile? He's like 33, 34. Like, that will be a worry for him to get a good center half because he is class for them. See, the thing is, I haven't watched West Ham enough this season to have a real opinion about them. I kind of watched the Brighton match, but it was kind of sitting on in the background when I was doing other stuff. I watched them against Liverpool and I watched them against City, which probably isn't the best games to gauge how well they've been playing this season. So I don't, I don't really know. Um, there is a lot of quality in around this squad, especially with Ben Rama coming in there as well. Jared Bowen's made a big difference since he came in. But yeah, Ronan, you said there a moment Again. ago about them not changing their starting lineup. They kind of have to now because Sebastian Haller he has been playing quite a bit, and he went to Ajax for twenty million. They lost twenty five million pound on that. So I think a lot of it rides on what striker they bring in. If they can I get Mikhail, a goal scorer in, but I, but I don't think Haller was one of the ones who started every match. Uh, maybe he started a lot. He was without Antonio. Yeah. And even still, you can't be relying on Antonio. Like, Antonio, he'll have one, like, spell in a season and people think he's class. Yeah, he he'll was dog shit last Five night. goals in three games and West Ham player or fans will be like, he's the man, we don't need a striker. And then he'll do nothing all season. Fez, you kind of always know what you're getting with Antonio. Like, he's always the hardest working player on the team. If not, probably not the great. most, not the most technically gifted, no, but he's... <laughs> He's a good player to have, but I wouldn't be, again. I wouldn't be starting him as my starting striker, especially considering the fact he was brought in at a right fullback. People forget that. Yeah, we touched upon Sebastian Allaire going to Ajax there a moment, and we're in the transfer window. Believe it or not, we're a couple of weeks into the January transfer window, 
and really nothing much has happened. So there's only two real talking points I want to talk about. Liverpool, we all know they need a centre-back. So who do you think Liverpool could bring in in this January transfer window? I think a pre-contract agreement for David Alaba. Get him in the summer. Job done. Oosh. Is that what you need? You need someone now. Yeah, but was, get someone from someone on a loan in. now or something. Get Varane on six month loan and then get Alaba in full time next season. Job done. I was under the impression Alaba had already agreed to join Juventus. I think I thought I'd heard he's just a rumor or something. I thought I thought I'd heard that. Doesn't say that would happen. Mm. Yeah, Juventus signing a player when he's 29, 30 for free. Italy just pretty much old every people, transfer. <laughs> yeah, he's not old though. 28. Yeah, I thought he was at least into his early 30s. I was like, John Mountie going to Pats. I was like, he's 27. How? Yeah. Um, oh, Liverpool were linked with Sven Botman um, playing for Lille. <laughs> yeah, Don't know anything about him. Apparently, that's just posturing, according to Athletic. Yeah. The Athletic yeah. does no yeah. real I, interest. Um, James Pierce did a great job as per. Uh, yeah, something like Uber Meccano, hoping it's not all right. Uh, like he's going to be available for 43 million in the summer, 43 million euro. That is like that'll be a steal, that'll be a race to get to get him. But obviously, in the now, you're talking 60 million pounds, maybe more for a but I don't know. Jump in, like this is saving uh, season time for we Liverpool. Signed, we signed Van Dyke in January 2017, yeah, but we were covering him for like a long time. We'd done all the research, I we think tapped we just, him up, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're just caught out, like, we're rotten out of luck at the minute. Like, this, like a center back's such a hard position to, to fill in, especially in January. Who do we go for? Like, I, I, I just think anyone we go for, unless it's an Alaba or Varane, it's going to be a mistake. In terms of players, like, I'd actually like Liverpool to sign. Uwe McCann will be one, in fact, he'll probably be number one on my list. Your man, um, Shores from Ajax. Um, these aren't players we're linked to, right? Hey, he's just like ones that kind of like, like I try to sign him for the dog on Football Manager. He is a carbon copy of the Lick. Um, thought he was brilliant about games against Liverpool. Uh, I don't really know who else he could go for. Um, unless, unless you try to sign someone from another Premier League club that would cost a lot of money, like a Soyuncu or something. I don't know. You'd um, actually be sorted of Matip and Gomez could just stay fit. Like, those guys are quality. Like, yeah, if you had a Matip and Van Dyke, but. Matip, like them two boys, are too temperamental with their fitness. They Matt's just get better, injured all the time. I, I actually think Matip's better than Gomez. Yeah, he is. I, he is. I love Matip. Gomez, Gomez has. Gomez, Gomez is just makes English. a lot of mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> he's just English. Like, I know he's class, but um, the only thing that Gomez has over Matip is pace. Yeah, but Matip, he's better in the air because he's a lot taller and he's way better one-on-one defending. Gomez, and he's spirits. Great goal threat as well. Yeah, serious threat from set piece. Bullet header. He might actually be fit for the United match, Klopp was saying. So that would mm, probably help. But, but then he yeah, still has to be rotated because you can't risk him to three games in a row with the fixture congestion. Like, yeah. oh. And then next one I want to talk about, just briefly, because I think this this transfer that, that happened is, is mwah. It, it's immaculate. It's unbelievable. Robert Snodgrass went to Sam Allardyce's West Brom. How, how Barclays is that? Absolutely beautiful. Allardyce masterclass. That's what it, it is, is. Is both very Barclays and very sky bet because he's just going to be in the sky bet again next season. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm convinced 
Snodgrass's career is just him perpetually moving to clubs that are definitely going to get relegated. Yep. And is that sort of indicative about his ability? We'll wait and see. You know, uh, never rated him as a footballer, but he's very good at taking free kicks. Um, yeah, his set pieces are savage, and he's a good lad as well. He's a gas man. Yeah, Robertson loves him. Him and Harry Maguire in that whole team were an absolute joy to watch because it was just pure vibes. Harry Maguire <laughs> and the whole team tear up the pitch. Harry Maguire plays a striker in that whole team. I'm convinced of it. I used to love watching him. He was positionless. He just yeah. went along. Just just did what he wanted. Right, so going on to the weekend's games. There's actually some fantastic games this weekend to predict, to be honest. I think it was the last podcast we did where there was a, a real dearth of quality games and it was kind of hard to get excited for that particular set of fixtures. But this weekend is actually a bit different and we're going to start with a bit of a tenuous derby. I believe it's called the Black Country Derby, Wolves against West Brom. And it's not as exciting on the field as well as a bit of a dubious derby. Yeah, I, I have to predict Wolves to win. I can't see how anyone could possibly back West Brom to get a result in pretty much any game. So I'm going to go with 2 0 Wolves. 4 1 Wolves. Yeah. 4 0 Wolves. I keep McLean Sheets. Going to be a nice uh, size double. He has been prolific for them. That's given us nice flashbacks to the old school Wolves of a few seasons gone by. So yeah, 4 0 Wolves. Yeah, it's uh, fairly prominent team in this set of predictions all of us now going for Wolves wins I'm going to agree with Connell 2-0 uh, Podence Neto Golazo's uh, Podence is injured man. Hey. oh fuck <laughs> uh, Neto double whoops <laughs> yeah just to actually remind I didn't say at the start of the predictions section that I'm Oof. now level with James. Me and James are both 49 points. Mixer, you're on 48 points. Oh, I'm coming! Oh, I'm coming! <laughs> and Ronan, you're on 45. So it's it's neck and neck at the minute. Again, I was bottom. I was bottom. <sighs> the winner of this... That's made my day, lads. <laughs> the winner of this gets a free jersey, courtesy of the other three. So very, very close at the minute. And the next game we're going to predict is an even worse derby, if I'm being completely honest. Whatever about the Black Country derby, Fulham against Chelsea is just a a rivalry by default. Arsenal have Tottenham, West Ham have Millwall, and then Fulham and Chelsea are, you know, I guess we're rivals, aren't we? Uh, Again, Fulham are terrible. Chelsea are in pretty poor form. I guess I just have to predict the Chelsea win, don't I? Got to go with 3-1 Chelsea. Um, I'm expecting Werner to stop padding this match to make it look like he's not having an absolutely terrible season. Um, uh, 5-1 Chelsea. 2-1 Chelsea. I don't think there's going to be much Werner stop padding going on here. Uh, we just have to say uh, James's Werner love affair sort of calmed down. He's been humbled since uh, Lacaboom, aka Lacazette, has been scoring the goals. But uh, yeah, I don't see anything other than Chelsea win 5-0 Chelsea. Emphatic, yeah. Chelsea are not great at the moment, but no one within the right mind could predict Fulham to beat them. Next game, very interesting. Leicester at home to Southampton, two of sort of you know the hipsters' favorite teams in the Premier League this season. And this is really difficult to call because it was a bit of a Southampton loving earlier in this podcast. Leicester are sometimes underappreciated because we kind of recognise Leicester as sort of the best of the rest. And it can be hard to gauge how they're doing. Um, 
I'm just going to go with a 1-1 draw because I really can't decide between these two teams. I'm going to look for a 3-2 Leicester win. I don't think it's going to be a draw. Um, I was going to say 2-2, but I feel like someone's going to get a winner in this match. I think Leicester just have a wee bit more quality there, um, especially since indeed he came back in the midfield. They look a lot more commanding in the midfield area. Obviously, Harvey Barnes is the best footballer in the world. So he'll probably score all three. Yeah, yeah, he's clear of everyone else. Yeah, um, yeah, three to Leicester. I'm going to also go in line with Connell and say 1-1. One, one. I was maybe going to think about a 2-2, two, two, but no, yeah, I can see this being a draw. Che Adams back in the side this week. That's big for Southampton. Uh, they're very similarly paired at the moment. So, uh, yeah, 1-1. One, one. Can also go for a draw, but more goals. Two all, four goals evenly spread. Good game this one. And the next game we're going to predict is Villa at home to Everton. Again, another fantastic game that's a little bit hard to call. And purely on the basis that Villa have had a bit of a COVID outbreak, and I'm not sure how that interrupts our plans, I think I should really predict an Everton win. So I'm going to go with 2-1 Everton at Villa Park. bit harsh in Villa, but purely because of the COVID situation. Uh, I don't know. What happens on a Melbourne this week? So I'm probably just going to go... There is no need. It's not a prerequisite. Well, it is. 5-2 Everton. Just because. Uh, well, I'm going to reverse your score prediction, Connell. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Villa win. I think there's going to be enough of a gap. Uh, the fact that they're not playing this weekend, or sorry, this uh, midweek, uh, now against Spurs. And DCL is obviously absent through injury. So that's going to be big for Everton. Uh, so yeah, 2-1 Villa. Yeah, I've completely forgot about Villa's sort of Rona outburst, but... If a lot of the players have had it, then they might not be fully fit. Could have an effect on their playing. So, 2-1 Everton. And the last game. How, how can we ignore this game? It's Liverpool against United. Either way, whatever happens with United this evening, or I suppose it'll be yesterday if you're listening to this, or certainly on Tuesday when we're recording. Whatever happens, you know, Liverpool and United are going to be basically neck and neck. And... I haven't done the predictions before this, as you might guess through my pondering before I actually predict the games. And this one's really difficult to call. Uh, I'm kind of just going to cop out a little bit like I did with Leicester Southampton. I'm just going to go with a nil-nil because it seems that games between Liverpool and United, when there's any anticipation going into them, tend to be very poor. There was a couple of nil-nil games at Anfield when Mourinho was there. I think United are going to sit back and try and counter Liverpool haven't looked that creative recently, so just a stalemate. Nil for four nil United because we're fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. I, you're not gonna elaborate on that, are you, Owen? No, we're, we're I don't think you can with any any sensibility. No, I think uh, the adjectives he used to describe what we are is is enough. It's enough, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go for a 3-2 Liverpool win here. I think we have defensive issues. I think that we are robbed of a lot of the uh, joy in these matches uh, down the Van Hal and Mourinho years. And I think, like as you said, the Sky Sports Red Monday bullshit, it was quite manufactured because we were never really chasing the title at those times, you know. Last season. Really. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was just by default a fixture and trying to get people in sort of pay-per-view type thing. Um and yeah, I have to say, I'm, I'm going to see a change here. I'm going to go for 3-2 goals galore. I think there's going to be intact and attempt on both sides. And United are just kind of going to roll with it. So yeah, but we'd win. So. 
Yeah, Liverpool bad need of a win. And what better, better way than to beat United? So I can imagine the boys coming out with a lot of intensity, getting a goal in the first half and then sitting back the rest of the game. So 1-0 to the Reds. By the Reds, I mean Liverpool, if that means any clarification. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird as well, because if United were to win tonight against Burnley, going into that game on Sunday I'd be like we're going to win United are going to win 3-0 or if we lose uh, I'm going to say Liverpool 3-0 so again that's why I'm copping out a little bit and going 0-0 right so anyway next week's discussion on that game between Liverpool and United is going to be it's going to be interesting Um, hopefully it's either going to be me dreading having to talk about it or uh, I suppose maybe you have uh, some comfort in numbers if Liverpool were to lose you know I can't really be too braggadocious because no, well, Liverpool we'll do lose. Never, you'll be the only one on the podcast are. next week, Connell, if Liverpool lose. <laughs> and we've a double game week to look forward to as well. No, no, I'll be on the podcast next week because I just want to fucking give out about this club as much as possible these days. Yeah, yeah you want to say you're right. Yeah. yeah. And if, you, want, if, want if, if Liverpool, Liverpool win, then, you know, you're happy anyway. Um, no, no because they've proven me wrong. I don't like that. Right. Uh, thanks very much for watching or listening, rather, if you're not on YouTube to this. If you're watching YouTube, liking, subscribing is massively appreciated. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, following us, rating us, whatever you can do in those platforms, hugely, hugely appreciated. If you have any comments or questions for the podcast, get them in the comments section or on Twitter, Instagram. All our socials are in the bio. Thanks very much for listening to this episode. And we'll be back next week with some fascinating discussion, particularly on Liverpool against United. Podcast Network.